Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? All right, well, I wanted to remind you about our uh, uh, Night to Shine that's coming up. We still need some volunteers. Uh, You can see Tina Jackson if you're interested in volunteering for that. And uh, also to kind of let you know, we are uh, moving forward with our... um, our building a uh, new sanctuary, and in the next few few weeks, we're going to be trying to find a general contractor. They're finishing up the building plans. Um, I will tell you, <coughs> um, we do need, thank you so much for all of you who have pledged towards the building, but we, uh, if you haven't done that, we need you. Um, we need you to, to contribute whatever you can, any amount, small, uh, medium, large, whatever, and there are different ways you can do that. You can just put it in our building fund. You can do that online or or by writing out on a check and uh, turning that in here. Um, and if you maybe can't give right now, but you can pledge something down the line, if you can fill out a pledge card, and whether you're going to give now or later, we'd appreciate it if you'd uh, fill out a pledge card just so we have an idea um, what we're going to have coming in. And we don't know who has pledged what, so that's between you and God, and we're not trying to get in the middle of that. But um, if you haven't done that yet or you're still praying about it, that's fine too. Um, but we do need you to help with that, and as much as you can. And uh, we're excited about the the future and being able to get in that building. I'm excited about only having to do two services. That'd be awesome. But anyway, um, uh, if you can help us with that, we would we would love that. Um, today we're continuing in our series called Ripple Effect, and there are things that um, we do that we think that that affect uh, a, a lot of areas in our lives. And today we're going to talk about something you might not. Um, think about too often, and, and I understand why, but we're going to talk about hell. And one of the reasons why we're going to talk about it is because Jesus talked about it quite a bit, and what we think about hell is going to have a lot of effect in how we live our lives. And not, not as believers that we should be afraid of hell, but the reality of it and what it is should affect our lives going forward. And so we're going to talk about that today. And uh, we're going uh, to begin in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 29 through 30. And yes, I did use a cane to get up. I tweaked my knee a little bit, but I'm probably fine. I'll be over. I'll throw that away in a few days, but I did need it today. So anyway, in case you're worrying about, um, I have had some health things, but those are totally cleared up. I don't know if y'all knew that, but um, the only thing left is a thank you. Yep, God's good. I realized the irony of saying that when I had to use a cane to get up here to preach, but... Um, anyway, uh, we're looking forward to that. And uh, anyway, back to the message. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 29 through 30, if you'd please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, that's a pretty hardcore passage of Scripture. Um, And, you know, when you think about it, uh, Jesus wasn't literally telling us to go cut off our hand or gouge our eye out. Um, it's It's a statement, though, that if it came down to those two things, it's not your hand that's going to keep you from going to, to heaven or to send you to hell or whatever. 
but that if you had to choose between those two, it'd be better to just cut your hand off than it would be to go to hell. And part of what he wants us to understand here is the reality of hell. And one of the things that Satan wants to do is to make us think about hell in terms of being funny or in just not thinking about it at all. You know, there's all those questions about would God really send people to hell? Well, God doesn't have to send us. He gave us a choice about whether we want to go to heaven or whether we want to go to hell. And we'll get to that in a few minutes. But the fact is that, that hell's a real place. And we think about one of the things Jesus talked about the most was about hell. And we don't generally think of him that way, probably because we read those verses about hell and then we just kind of go right over them. And so, you know, it says in John 10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So Jesus came to give us life, to bring us life. And that was his purpose. He didn't come so that people would go to hell. He came so that people would not have to go to hell. And that's the whole reason why he came. But hell is a reality. You know, and in some instances, we're, we're comfortable with that. In Revelation 20.10, it says, Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they would be tormented day and night forever and ever. And you know what? That doesn't bother us. Because, yeah, Satan ought to go to hell. The devil ought to go there. I mean, we're good with that. But it's hard to think about that in other terms. And in 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9, it says, And God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. He will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. Now that, that's where he's talking about people here on earth. And you know, we're like, well, that's a long way down the road. But it's also true for us today. And, and one of the things that the easiest ways to think, I think, about heaven and hell is, you know, there are, there are going to be things in heaven that we've never experienced. But then there are also going to be, we've seen God show us good and lovely and beautiful and, and glorious here on this earth. I mean, who, if you can look at, a, at a, a sunset here, you know, I love the sunsets where we live. I think we have the most beautiful sunsets of anywhere on earth. Well, maybe at the beach, but anyway, that's a whole other deal. But they're, they're gorgeous. And there's, there, a lot of times there's a moment when you stop and go, man, that, that is so gorgeous. And you, you just have a moment. Or you have a moment with people that you love or, or an afternoon or an evening, and, and it's just good. And you laugh and you're enjoying life. And, and all those things are, are from God. That, that cool breeze on your face, um, uh, refreshing water that we get an opportunity to drink when it's hot. All those things are gifts from God. And the Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Everything that is good in life is from God. Everything that you love and that you enjoy and that's good comes from him. And so that last verse tells us 
that those who are going to hell are forever separated from God and from his glorious power. And so hell, heaven is being in God's presence all the time. And there's everything good there that we know, and there's everything good there that we, don't, we haven't experienced yet that we're going to in heaven. And you know, I know people think, well, I mean, if you look in the movies or whatever, or the cartoons, you know, you, you die and you go, you live on a cloud and you play a harp. That's not heaven. Heaven is, is going to be life. And life that is so extraordinary that we're never going to tire of it. And so we're going to be in God's presence. And one of the things that I think is a, a good picture maybe of what it's going to be like is what life was like here on earth before sin came and marred everything. You know, man walked about the earth without shame and walked in the presence of God. We used to walk with God. Man used to walk with God in the cool of the evening. And there was all of these plants and all this beauty and animals and everything else, yet sin is what brought like thistles and poisonous snakes and, and you know, lions. You could walk up to a lion in heaven or in the, in, in the Garden of Eden. They'd never eaten any kind of meat before. And you could be around them and not be afraid of them. And, and heaven, I mean, it was, it was this, can you imagine? God gave them the whole earth and said, hey, all this is yours. And so heaven is going to be that plus so many things we haven't ever even experienced. And yet hell is going to be the absence of anything that is good. Everything that is good is from God. And so hell is the absence of that. There's nothing good in hell. When people want to make jokes, hey, dude, well, blah, there's, there's nothing good in hell. No good thing. No cool breeze. No cool drink of water. No moment of joy. Nothing like that. Because all those things are from God, and being in hell is to be away from that for all eternity. And so that's what happens. But here's one of the things that, that we're caught up with in our society Everybody wants some inside information. You know, you, you hear, um, well, they're, you know, you hear people talk about sports and, and uh, you know, this guy says that and this guy says that. But when somebody who's on the team or somebody who's played before says something, we perk up because we love getting inside information. You know, when you see people, there's a whole business about insider information about stocks or whatever else. But when you see or hear someone that's been there, you know, you hear about combat, but you talk to someone who's a combat veteran and, and they're what they think about it. We give a lot of weight to it because they have been there. And so in the scripture, God through Jesus gives us a story, a true, an accounting where we have some inside information about what hell's really like. And I'm going to get to you why this is so important for us. Because you're like, well, man, I'm a believer. What do I, what, I don't need to worry about hell. I'm not saying you need to worry about it. But we need to understand it. We need to know what it's like. And so in Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells a story. 
And a lot of times when Jesus tells a story, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, um, it's to teach the truth. It's always true. But this one's a little bit different. Because most of the time, you know, when he talks about, you know, this guy did this, or the man who built his house on, on sandy soil, you know, that, that's obviously a parable that's an illustration. But in this parable, it's a little bit different. Because in this one, Jesus actually names someone. And so throughout time, people debated. I personally believe this is an actual person. These are actual people that Jesus is talking about. And he would have that knowledge because he's God. And, but even if it wasn't, let's say it's just a story that Jesus gave to illustrate a truth, it's still true because whatever Jesus says is truth because he is truth. I happen to believe these are two actual people that he's talking about here. And he names a couple of them. So we're going to read, I'm going to read to you Luke chapter 16, verses 22 through 31. And then we're going to come back and I'm going to give you a few things that I believe we can learn from someone who has been there and is there. See, I believe the man that's talked about, he's still in hell. And the man that's in heaven is still in heaven. They're still there because they're created to be eternal. So we can read this as Jesus gave it to us 2,000 years ago, but all the people that it talks about are still experiencing what was experienced when Jesus told it. So it's, it's still current. It's not old news. This is current news. Luke 16, 22 through 31. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers and I want to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Now, the first thing that I, that I want you to catch from this is that there is no like in-between or holding place between us and our eternal destination. Those who die who know Jesus will immediately go and be in the presence of God. Those who die without Christ will immediately go into a place of the dead, a place of separation from God 
that is eternal. You know, God created us to be eternal. When he created man in the beginning, he created their body and their soul to last forever. But at some point, the Bible says that God in his mercy limited the days of man to 120 years. See, in the beginning, man would live hundreds of years because God created his body to live without decay. Only sin began to tear it down. And so now we see, you know, I can't, man, I can't imagine this body going 250 years. I'll tell you that right now, much less longer than that. I mean, I'm fitting to have some parts replaced already. So, you know, I, I can't imagine going on forever. But God created our essence, our soul, to live forever. And there's something in us that knows that. The Bible tells us in, in Psalms that he has placed eternity in the hearts of men. And so throughout history, anytime an anthropologist group or whatever find a new people group or learn about them or whatever. In every people group, there's some kind of understanding about life after death because God placed it in us to know that we're going to live forever. And so here's the deal. There's some that will try to tell you, you know, there's a hold in place and then everybody getting, no, we immediately either go to God or to be in complete separation from him. Now, there are permanent places. Uh, in the end, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and we're going to live there, but in the, we're going to be in God's presence. And those who are without, yeah, there's going to be a lake of fire, and, and those things are going to be in the end, but they're in torment even now. Okay? It says, finally, the, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the, the heavenly banquet. And the rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, Yes, we are fully confident that we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. So to be, for a believer to be absent from the bodies to be present with God. So the moment that you take your last breath here on this earth, you're either going into the presence of God or you're separated from him. Okay? It happens right then, in that moment. Okay? And so we're going straight to heaven or hell. Now, there may be a permanent heaven that, that's not created yet when God creates the new heaven and new earth, but heaven is being in God's presence. That's where everything that is good is. And hell is being separated from that. That's where there's nothing good. Okay, so it happens in that moment. The second thing we will see is that those in hell are fully aware they're fully aware of where they are, of what's happening, of their life before, of what's going on in heaven. And here's the other deal. They also know that their suffering is just. Nowhere in there, nowhere in there did the man, rich man who's in hell say, hey, this isn't fair. I'm not supposed to be here. You know, have you ever like... Thought maybe you, you know, had to go to your boss or whatever, and you were going to tell him why something didn't work, and you know, or maybe you, you know, you were going into your parents or, or some other authority, and you thought, man, I'm going to tell them this, and then when you got right in front of them, you're like, that is not going to work. I mean, the, the truth just spills out. It is going to be even more so when we stand before God. There's not going to be any more of this fake. 
oh, well, I was a good person. I did this or did that. Everything that we are is going to be exposed before him because he is a holy and a righteous God, and we are sinful people. When Isaiah, who was one of God's greatest servants, in a vision, comes into the presence of God, God brings him there into his presence. He doesn't say, hey, God, it's me, Isaiah. What do you want? The Bible says, he goes, woe is me. Woe is me the moment he comes into the presence of God because I am a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. You see, the moment you stand before God, the moment that we're done here on this earth, it is going to be obvious. And so he never says, hey, it's a mistake that I'm here. I didn't do anything. I was a good guy. He knows exactly who he was, and he remembers. And one of the things I'm sure he remembers is every opportunity that he had to repent and to turn to God in faith. He is fully aware. In torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side, and he shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. He wasn't, see, you're you're not going to ask for justice. He's just asking for pity. And you know, you never know. You know, the only thing we ever really know on this earth anyway is is how much something hurts us. You know, now we may, well, I've had that exact thing, so I know what that's like. But you know what, when you're a parent and you got kids, you're constantly trying to figure out, are they really hurt? You know, and they don't, they hadn't experienced everything. And so, you know, you, you, you wonder, and then you wonder, well, do they have, you know, we have different pain tolerances and all those things. And so you, you're never really sure. But the guy who's been there and is there gives us a picture of what, how much it hurts. You know, he doesn't ask for a glass of water. As I drink a Mountain Dew for effect. Just a second. He doesn't ask for anything except something that tells you the depths of his agony. And that is, look, could he just dip the tip of his finger in some water and touch it to my tongue to give me just a, a little bit of relief? That's agony. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I don't know what that agony would be like. But I surely know I don't really want to experience that, and I bet you do too. In hell, those who are there will be fully aware, not only of what's going on around them, not only of the suffering, not only of the fact there is just no relief from it. You know, pain is one thing, but pain without relief is another. And also knowing that you're supposed to be there. There's no argument that you shouldn't. They're fully aware. The second thing is, or the third thing, excuse me, there there are no second 
chances. There's no second chances. You know, there's, there are some religions that try to tell you that there's a place you go after this and that one you can earn your way out of hell or earn your way into heaven or whatever it is. That's a lie. The Bible tells us clearly you immediately go to the place of your assignment. And then Abraham here tells him even more clearly. When he says, could you send him over? He says, look, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Once you are there, that is, that's your eternal place. So people who are, are in hell, there is no way out. There's no second chance. There's no, well, if you think about it, it's the evil one that tries to tell us these stories. Why? So that we won't think that what we decide here on this earth, well, it's not that big a deal. I'll get another chance. Well, it really doesn't matter because, you know, God, God wouldn't really send anybody to hell. Let me tell you the thing about God. He lets you choose heaven or hell. And we don't always like it because sometimes we don't want God to respect our choices. We, I mean, we're, we're okay with God letting us choose, but we don't want him to let us experience the consequences of our choice. But God does because he loves us. And he created you to worship him, but he doesn't force you to worship him. He created you to live in a relationship with him, but you get to choose whether you do that or not. And see, when we try to say, well, I don't really think God would send anybody to hell, what we're really saying is, well, I want to choose whatever I want, but I think God in the end will just say, ah, no big deal, so what? But guess what? God's holy. And he's just. And he's righteous. And he also gave us a will. And he told us, Here's your opportunity. Here's your choice. But he respects our choices. Because he created us to be able to choose whether we love him, whether we want to be with him, whether we want to worship him. And so don't think that God's magically going to come in and say, well, I know you, you chose hell, but I'm not going to send you there anyway. Where you choose is where you go. And there are no second chances. You know, there were, uh, the church decided in, the, in uh, this was hundreds of years ago, I guess they needed to raise money, kind of like we do. And they decided that they were going to tell people, hey, if you give enough money, you can buy somebody out of hell. We're not doing that, by the way. That's, that's not part of our, because that's wrong. Because you can't. Because you can't, no one, nobody here can make a decision. That's what the, Abraham's telling him clearly. Nobody can cross that line after you've chosen it permanently. Nobody can come over there, and you can't come over here. Because there's a great chasm 
between us. There are no second chances. And then the rich man says, well, please, Father Abraham, at least send him, meaning Lazarus, to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them, your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. You know, sometimes we think, if God would just do this big thing, you know, if God would make this happen, or if God would do this miracle, or if, if God would just show up and say, hey, I'm real, then everybody would believe. But guess what? God's already done all those things. He already did the miracles. He already showed up and said, hey, I'm God. And he proved it by raising people from the dead, by turning water into wine, by feeding 10,000 out of one little basket, and ultimately by, by rising from the dead. He proved that he's God, and he revealed it to all the world. So you know what? Even though sometimes we think, well, is there, isn't there something big that God could do? Here's the truth. The gospel has enough power, more than enough power to save people. The gospel is enough. We don't need anything else. It says in Romans 1, 16 and 17, for I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. You know, that's one of the amazing things is, and at the end, I'm gonna, we're going to go through the gospel again. We do every week, every single service, we give the gospel. And it, it just takes a few minutes. And you know something? If you're getting, man, well, I don't, I don't know how to tell people the gospel. If you've been going here for any length of time, you know how to share the gospel. You want to know why? Because here's one of the things I do on purpose. When I get to the end, I give the invitation. It is exactly the same every week. You ever notice that? I mean, you might have even thought, man, why don't we do something a little creative every now and then? I mean, could you do something? But I do that on purpose because I want you to see, I want you to know, if you've heard that invitation enough that you know what I'm going to say, you know enough to share the gospel with somebody. Boom. You got evangelism trained, didn't even know it. You're trained. You're ready to share the gospel with people. And you know, well, I, but the way you do it is so simple because it is. It is so simple. God made it that way. And here's, here's, here's the thing that bothers me the most about that passage with the rich man and Lazarus. 
he was more worried about the people that he loved going to hell than I am sometimes. And maybe it's true for you too. He's crying out to heaven. Send somebody to tell. And here we are. We are that somebody. And we know people that are going to hell. But you know what? We don't like to think about hell. And we don't like to think about it in that stand, from that stance. And, and we're, we're, we don't want to offend somebody. And so this guy in hell is more worried about the people that he loves ending up where he is sometimes than we are. And that our bothers. And part of what we need is to get in our minds. I'm not saying we just dwell and think on it all the time. I, nobody would want to do that. But that we remember sometimes what hell really is. It's an eternity of being separated into agony and from without any relief. Because they're separated from everything that is good forever. And that's what is going to happen to people that we know and love but don't know Christ. You know, you can look it up on the, on the interwebs. How many of y'all know who Penn and Teller, that magic group is? The one dude doesn't ever say anything and the guy that talks. Well, Penn, that's his name. I can't remember his first name, but anyway. He, he actually put out a video one time about how he's an atheist and he doesn't believe in God but he talks about this guy that, that was a friend that kept coming to him and, and finally came to him and says, look, I, I have to tell you this because I love you and I really, really want you to know. And he told him the gospel straight up and said, you know, without Christ, you're going to hell. And he said, I, I'm telling you this because I love you and I don't want you to go there. Now, he didn't get saved. He's still, as far as I know, he's still an atheist. But one of the things he said that really struck me, he said, you know, one of the things for you Christians, if you really believe that, how could you not tell people that you love? And he, he did it. It was a fascinating video from somebody that's not even saved that recognized that if we really believed there's a hell and we really believed it is as horrible as, as we know that it is, we would do something about it. For I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. Are we ashamed of the gospel? We need to be telling people. Now, it, it's still simple. It's still simple. There's a couple of things. I'm going to go through the gospel, and I'm going to expand on it today a little bit instead of doing the simple thing. Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's standard. We've all sinned. And so we all have to admit that we're sinners. 
And the Bible also tells in Romans 6.26 that the wages of sin is death. That's what we earn. That's what we choose when we sin. That's separation from God. But here's one of, right after that verse where it says we've all sinned, it says in, in Romans 3, 24 through 26, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. You know, when people say, well, why would God send anybody to hell? Isn't God love? Yeah, he is. And because of that, he sent his son who became flesh and dwelt among us. And God made him to be the sacrifice. He made his only son to be the sacrifice for my sins and for yours to pay the penalty for me and for you. And he did that freely of his own accord. Nobody made him do it. And so when anybody would ask, well, why would God, if he really loved people, send them to hell, my response would be, well, if you understood how much God loves you that he gave his only son so that you wouldn't have to go there, you couldn't ask that question. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life. At any point, Jesus could have stopped it because he was still God in the flesh. The Bible doesn't say that God forced him or God did it to him against his will. The Bible says that he was obedient even to the point of death. He obeyed the plan that God had so that we would be saved. That's love. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. In other words, those who, were, who died before Christ, those who believed God, God credited them what Jesus was going to do. He included them in what was going to happen through Jesus. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. He's righteous. You see, here's the deal. Nobody gets a free pass. The pass that you get to heaven is not free. It's free for me, but it was paid for by Jesus. Nobody gets, ah, you know what, sin, no big deal. Go ahead, come on to heaven. Nobody gets that. The price, the wage had to be paid for me and for you. And when I trust Christ, then guess what? His sacrifice paid the price for my sin. And if I choose not to, then I'm taking responsibility for that on my own. It's that simple. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. That's the choice. You can be forgiven. What do you got to do? Believe. Believe. In faith. You got to believe. And that's the part I know that is hard for people to get. Because it seems so simple. Well, shouldn't I have to go out and do something? No. Because nothing you could do would have been good enough. 
Someone else had to do it for you, someone who was without sin. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus wants us to understand and know there is a hell. And without Christ, that's where you're choosing to go. And you have until your last breath here on this earth to choose. But here's the thing about death. We don't always know when it's coming. And so you know what? You can say, well, I'm going to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose on my deathbed. Okay, maybe you don't have a deathbed. Maybe, maybe it happens instantaneously and you don't get a chance. But you get to choose. And saying, ah, not today, is the same thing as saying no. I want you to understand that. So here's the deal. Some of us were like, man, why, how come God won't come back now? I'm ready. I mean, you look around, you're like, man, I can't believe he ain't coming back. Why is he not coming back? Because he loves people. It says in 2 Peter 3, 9 and 10, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. There's a reason why it says in the scripture, today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts like the Israelites did at, at Mount Herabah. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day when as believers we need to understand and, and realize and recognize the reality of hell and we should start living that way. Now, God gave the people that you love the ability to choose, but he also gave us the ability to go to him and say, hey, I love you and I want you to know this. We need to love people like God loved us. So here's the deal. I've gone through the things. A, you admit you're a sinner and ask forgiveness. B, you got to believe in Jesus, that he's God's son, that he died on the cross for your sins. And C, you got to confess him as Lord. That's salvation. It's as easy as ABC. It says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So here's the deal. It's that simple. If you don't know Christ, but you'd like to know today that your sins are forgiven and that you're in right relationship with him, we want to give you the chance to do that. I want to lead you in a prayer of faith, a prayer of salvation. And you can pray this prayer with me. You can repeat it after me. Pray it in your own words. Maybe you've been here long enough to just pray it with me. That's fine. Pray it in your heart. God will hear you. But pray it with me today, right now. Let's pray. Dear God, Thank you for loving me, and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Cleanse me. And make me yours. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. 
I believe he rose on the third day, according to scripture. And so today I trust Jesus as my savior and I confess him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, I'm not gonna ask you to stand up. I'm not gonna call you out in front of people, but I do wanna ask you to do one thing because I wanna encourage you and I wanna pray for you. If you prayed that today, I want you to look up at me right now and keep looking until I see you. If you prayed that prayer today, look up at me, okay? I see you, I got you, okay? All right, okay. All right, I see you. Okay. Yes, ma'am, got you, got you. Okay. All right, see you, got you. Okay. On the back row, I see you, I got you both. Okay, all right. Now here's the, here's the first thing that I want you to know. It seems so simple, and it is, because God already did for you what you could not do for yourselves. And so if you prayed that prayer in faith and you meant it, I want you to know your sins are forgiven, your name is written down. There's a book in heaven called the Lamb's Book of Life, and your name cannot be erased from that book. That means you belong to God from now on, and that you will always be His. There are things that we want you to know about how to follow Christ, and we'd love to help you with that. So there's a couple ways we can do that. There's a number on the screen, text SAVE to that number. There's a QR code there, it's also in your bulletin. Get in touch with us that way. And here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get in touch with you and try to set up a time to talk, whether it's in person or on the phone, whatever works for you. And we would love to answer any questions. And we also would love to share with you about the next steps in following Christ. We don't want anything from you. We're not gonna ask you for anything. We're not gonna put you on a list or anything like that. But we love to help people in their new journeys with Christ and we'd love to help you. If you wanna do it today, John will be here at the front in a few minutes. You can come to him and there's folks here that would love to sit down with you and talk with you about that even today. And so I wanna encourage you. And man, there were a bunch, you're not alone that looked up at me and, and made that decision day to trust Christ. Your life is forever changed. And I wanna pray for you and I wanna rejoice with you. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for those that have come to a knowledge of Jesus. Father, thank you for sending your son to die for our sins so that we might be free and so that we might live and live eternally with you. And Father, I thank you for those that made that decision today. And Father, I pray for blessings upon them. I pray you would uh, send other believers in their life to encourage them. Father, help them to find the right church home with us here or somewhere else. And God, thank you for allowing us to be a part of their journey. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. 
You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.